Attention architects and creative minds, get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul, uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. Thank you to BQE, the makers of BQE Core, for their support of this episode. BQE Core is the software that makes it easy to manage your projects and people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. Learn more at bqe.com. Context and Clarity has been called a community-based pro-practice masterclass for architects. It's awfully high praise, but since we began this journey back in April of 2020, we've certainly grown into a community of small firm architects, all focused on what matters most to their success. And by the way, it doesn't matter if you're the employee of a firm that's dreaming of going out on your own, or you've owned your own firm for 26 years. There's something here for everyone. And that's where you come in. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Context and Clarity Podcast. Every week, we have a conversation with an expert or a thought leader on things that matter most to the success of architects just like you. Then we go backstage with someone from our community and we talk about what we learned, what our biggest takeaways were, and how we're going to apply what we heard to our own businesses. In this episode, we talked to Fatima Monfred. She's the founder and chief metaverse architect of the Spaces DAO. That's D-A-O. If you're not familiar with the term, a DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization. You're going to have to listen to the whole conversation so that Fatima can explain to you exactly what a DAO really is. This was another conversation about architects and the metaverse, and I really enjoyed it. Several weeks ago, we talked to George Bileka, the founder of the metaverse architecture firm Voxel Architects, And I thought this conversation with Fatima was a fantastic follow-up. The whole idea behind Context and Clarity is to dig deeper into topics, especially those that we don't understand, so that we can find that understanding, so that we can find clarity. I think Fatima really helped us do that. 
She's incredibly thoughtful and considerate when imagining everything that is and may be when it comes to the metaverse. I'd go so far to say that if you think that there's nothing about the metaverse for you, you should listen to the conversation that we had with Fatima Manfred. Normally for these episodes, we're joined backstage by guests from the Context and Clarity community. But for this episode, it's just me and Catherine. Catherine McPhail is my co-host and an architect and a podcaster from Arlington, Massachusetts. Other than Context and Clarity, Catherine's show is Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven, and she's the CEO of Demios Architects. As always, I'm looking forward to talking about our takeaways from this conversation. So let's go backstage and listen in as Catherine McPhail and I talk about our conversation with Fatima Monfred. You know, what I love about uh, Fatima is that she's so calm and collected and the whole thing. I mean, she's pretty young. I have a 25 year old also. So she has a lot of poise, what I'm saying, you know, and understanding and compassion and everything. I really like her. Yeah. Yeah. I I 100% agree with that. She does have a lot of poise. That's a great way to say it. She's obviously very intelligent. She's extremely uh, thoughtful. She respects everybody's opinions and likes it when people push back because it forces her to think about things um, mm-hmm. and consider things that she may not have. And that's that's been one of my big things about context and clarity. One of the tenets should be that you feel free to ask your questions or to push back because that helps us dig deeper into the topic, whatever the topic yeah. of the day is. And I, I really appreciated that about her. So I enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, I did too. I got a lot um, out of it. One thing I didn't know, which is minor, I didn't know that when you went into these buildings that there were games or there were, you were supposed to find coins or do some sort of interactive thing like that. I, I just wasn't aware that there was a game aspect to each of the buildings as well. We're not just architects, we're also collaborating with uh, game developers. And I think the combination of the two is the perfect uh, fit for the metaverse. Because when you go to a building and the building, or you, when you go to an experience in the metaverse and it's not interacting with you, it gets really boring. Uh, you want that space to be interactive. You want to have things popping at you. You want to be like, you know, uh, 100% engaged into, into the space. And the more engaging it is, the better the experience at least from what we have, uh, what, what we experience. And um, I think that's so, that's so important to, to achieve that collaboration point is so important. I'm glad that she touched on that, you know, as she was describing it in our conversation this afternoon. And like you said, you, you sort of gamify it, you add these little aspects to it. And she talked about, well, they could walk into a room and, and you could have a message pop up that says something. So that that helps me as someone who doesn't play games, isn't really interested in playing games. That helps me understand how these two things, in my mind, they're two things. You get the building and you get the gamification or the, the game aspect of it. Oh, okay, that's where the intersection is. And that, that becomes... Um, that becomes really interesting to me because I love that the idea of creating as much engagement as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of the, you're creating the experience of the place 
on top of just experiencing the place because you can't really experience it with all your senses. It's just, yes. One thing I love that she had to say was that the artists are empowered. We were talking about the royalties over artwork and how she said in the metaverse, art, uh, artists have more power and ownership over their work than they do in the real life and, and, and not real life in the physical world. So as um, people talk about all the time that our artists, you know, the, the, the poor starving artist and they are, they're poor until they, they die, then their work is really valuable sort of thing. It's, um, you know, it doesn't seem to happen. It, it's like, that to me is a good evolution of uh, our society in, in the metaverse, potentially. I'm, I'm glad the conversation went there because a lot of people have this idea and it's understandable why people have the idea. Oh, it's all about people selling these, these NFTs for $1.4 million and they're, you know, some of them are scamming um, because they're buying it themselves just to drive the price up. And all, all of this, you hear, you hear the negative side of the, the, the crypto and, you know, the, the money aspect of it. And so I, I, I'm really glad that the conversation went there so we could talk about the, 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 the good part. And, you know, to your point exactly, empowering artists. And I think there's an extension if we think about it and how that could empower architects, the people designing buildings in the metaverse as well. For all the, you know, all the difficulties that we have in the real world with copyright, you know, making such a s small fee relative to what other people in the in the process get paid, et cetera. It seems to me that that could extend to design of buildings, design of spaces in the metaverse as well. That would be a really great evolution if we can get to the point that the creators have control over their creation. Fatima talked about community. We have built this community around context and clarity. As a community, we are creating content by having these conversations that are recorded. Are any of us benefiting financially from that? No. Is Facebook? Yes. And what she was talking about is a fundamental change in turning that upside down, right? You, you could take control of that as a community and I, I don't know what the model would be, but you could benefit financially from that or no one could benefit financially from that, I suppose. But Facebook or some other overarching organization wouldn't be benefiting from the thing that we create. And I think that's, you know, again, back to your point, I think that is a fantastic evolution. Here's a question. Do you make a realistic avatar? Do you make one that looks like you look, are you going to be male? Or are you going to be female? I mean, all you have is the, is the um, typical skin colors, you know, going from very light to very dark. So human skin colors, and then human hair colors, human eye colors. It's just human. You have to make yourself some kind of human form. I find that kind of disappointing. I mean, honestly, for me, equality and inclusion is such an important topic in the metaverse. And that's very much related to what you're saying with the avatars, right? It's so hard to relate because it's kind of like you having your second identity in that space. And it's really hard to relate to those uh, avatars that you create. And uh, I think that's a topic that we're going to be focusing on a lot. But in terms of customizing your avatar, there are platforms like Ready Player Me, where you can create your avatar and then bring it to the, to the metaverse and it's more customizable. 
And also you can uh, acquire variables and, and different coding to, to accessorize your, your laptop. A lot of choices, definitely. You, you know, and I did appreciate that we, you know, we got very, very briefly into inclusion and, and accessibility, um, which I, I think is, again, I think that's a great evolution if we can, if we can really include inclusion and, and accessibility and, and important ideals like that as, as, you know, part of the core of what we're doing in the metaverse. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. what I would do in terms of a of an avatar. I just think it's a really great opportunity to express different parts of yourself and you can really express in real life. So I don't know. To me, there's a ton of potential. I understand that it hasn't quite reached that level where all the metaverses are connected, which I suspected before, but she said that today, that they're not all, it's not where it wants to be quite yet. Being part of it evolving even though many of us might feel like we're getting there too late, that it's been going on for a while. So not too late. Just, I think we should just jump in and see what we're drawn to. This is, this is one of the fears I think a lot of people have like, okay, well, what if I, what if I get into the metaverse and I invest a lot of time in Decentraland or sandbox, you know, pick, pick one of the places and I learn how to do their modeling software and I, you know, I build this thing or I create, I mint an NFT or I do whatever. And then all of a sudden that particular world collapses and it goes away or something like that. You know, I will have wasted a lot of time. And I think, I don't think you wasted anything because I think in the process of doing that, you learned a lot about how to do these things. You've been there to witness the evolution, and so you'll have a better idea of what's coming and how to pivot to another another platform or whatever it is. I don't, I don't think you're losing anything. I think you're getting ahead of the curve relative to 99.9% of the people out there. I would definitely go and have an experience in the metaverse. It's not hard. For example, in the center line, you can... Literally go in as a guest. You don't have to give your email, no information about yourself. It's it's a very, very quick and easy process through the web. And you just go in and you walk around and you experience it. And for me, it's always been about learning by doing. And if you're curious, if you want to learn, I highly encourage you to do something about it. Whether it's uh, going into the Metaverse platform like the Centerland, which is super easy and accessible. Our Spatial.io as well has beautiful rooms and Spaces that you can explore just on their, on their website. You don't have to give any of your details either. And I think that's the best way to, to learn and to experience the metaverse. So learn by doing again. I think it's worth just jumping in and, and starting to figure things out. That's, that's my feeling. Let's take a quick break to share more about our sponsors. Systems and standard operating procedures. You already know that's how to build a profitable business and find the freedom that you want. You need systems and procedures, but you struggle with choosing which systems you need the most and how to implement those systems quickly so that you can get back to doing what you love to do the most. 
The Designing Your Business Masterclass series was created by acclaimed architect and business consultant, Douglas Teeger, FAIA, to help fellow architects and engineers run their firms more profitably while maintaining a healthy work-life balance. Douglas grew from a solo practitioner to becoming managing partner of his 30-plus person firm and then later sold his firm so that he can do what he does today, helping architects be more successful at Tiger Consulting. On the third Wednesday of every month, Douglas dives deep into an essential topic that will strengthen the profitability of your firm and make it sustainable for growth in the years to come. Register now for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass with Douglas Teeger at bqe.com slash masterclass. And then start implementing powerful systems for the profitability you need and the freedom you want. Every live masterclass session includes AIA continuing education credit. And when you visit bqe.com slash masterclass, you'll have access to the full library of past sessions on demand. The Designing Your Business Masterclass is free. It's brought to you by our friends at BQE, the makers of BQE Core, the software that makes it easy to manage your projects and your people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. Register now for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass at bqe.com masterclass. That's bqe.com slash masterclass. And now, let's get back to the conversation. It's not a waste of time to learn these things. It helps you adapt to other stuff. So even if we pick the wrong land to be a part of and the land closes down, we've had that experience and that's something that we can build on. So it's never a waste of time. It's kind of also like if you aren't living in your final house, should you not make your house look nice? because it's not your final house. So I don't know. It's similar to that. I think waiting for something to be perfect before you move forward. Yeah. I think that's a great analogy too. I mean, who, if you're an architect, I think you understand that analogy really well. You didn't start out. If, if you're using, if you're older than what, 20, 25 or 30 or something, and you're using Revit right now, you didn't start out using Revit. You started out somewhere else. Um, yeah, I think that's a. I think that's a really good point. It's a really good analogy. I don't know. It's, it's something different. So maybe people just don't want to look silly trying to do something that they might not. You know, we're we've already spent so much time working on our careers and being architects and trying to do things correctly. So maybe it's the idea of doing something that's kind of untethered makes people nervous because they might not be good at it. And it's kind of like starting off again at the bottom being new and not knowing what you're doing. And I don't have that fear. I'm just saying I, I can understand that people are afraid of that. Yeah. Yeah. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. You know, this is, if you're, you know, X number of years into your career, like you said, you could easily have, this is, this is the way I've always done it. This is the way I know this is the way it's done. You know, these are the rules. And all of a sudden we're saying there aren't any rules. Well, I wonder about the NVIDIA Omniverse, and that's the one that's for architects. Do you think in having having an architects and engineers metaverse that we're, we're kind of shutting ourselves off from the rest of the users by saying this is our space? I, don't, I haven't explored it. Yeah, I, I don't think 
that that is the point of the omniverse. I think the point of the omniverse, so the way that I envision this is if you go to Decentraland, you can build a house or a shop or a whatever, and you can go to a concert and you can do these things that we, we have seen in popular media about this is what the metaverse is. I believe the point of the Omniverse is a collaboration space where you can work on real world projects, so physical world projects, and and test physical world projects together in a collaborative environment. So architects, engineers, contractors could say, hey, let's work on this project for, you know, downtown Boston or, or whatever it would be. Um, you know, Leslie has brought this up a couple of times. Leslie Divold has brought this up um, a couple of times. Could the metaverse be a place to test traffic patterns, or, you know, interstate construction, things like that? And I, I think that's actually what the, I don't know if it's specifically about traffic, but but I think that's what, what uh, the omniverse is about. I don't think it's the place to, oh, only architects can go to this concert here in the omniverse. I don't think... I don't think that's what it is. The headline basically says Omniverse Platform for Virtual Collaboration. So for anybody listening that's interested, that's NVIDIA, you know them, whether you know them or not. You might have one of their chips or something in your in your computer. Um, they have NVIDIA Omniverse. So check that out. Right. And so the question is, if, if there's if there were no money to be made in the metaverse, would you would you still be there? Would you still be doing it? Fatima said yes. A lot of the times when we're working, we focus on the financial aspects of things. And maybe it's just because I've been privileged enough to think this way, but I've always thought about how am I feeling? You know, I, 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 I think that it's so important to feel comfortable with what you're doing and love what you're doing. And uh, I, I have found a place where I'm happy. I found a place where I, am, uh, I love what I'm doing. Even if I'm working 24-7, having your own startup is not easy. It's, it's, it's a full-time job, and um, I'm never tired because I love what I'm doing. And I think that's, that's the most important thing. At the end of the day, if you love what you're doing, the rest you can live with. And it's true that at the end of the day, we need to live, we need to survive, and, and we need that financial side of it too. And I hope the day doesn't come that because of financial reasons, I have to quit what I love doing the most. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay tough until the moment I can. Earlier today, I flipped that question around. If there were no money to be made as an architect in the real world or in the physical world, would you still do it? And the um, Christian asked that question. He said yes. And I respect both of those answers because both of those answers went to their purpose and their passion for what they do and where they are. However, I don't know that I believe those answers a hundred percent. I'm going to take it to the extreme because I get to, right? Because, you know, that, that's sort of the role here. If the question is, if there were no money to be made, I think that's, I think that's a quote, if there were no money to be made, and I'm going to, I'm going to put this on the physical side, on the, on the real world side, if there are no money to be made in architecture, would you do it? I respect the answer, yes, because this is my purpose, this is my passion. I do not believe you, or at least there is a severe limitation to it because you've got to make money somehow. And for all of the the struggles and the complaints and the, even if it's just, 
you know, going, going downtown to, to, uh, get a zoning variance. Are you seriously going to tell me that you would do that for free for the rest of your life? Yeah. Well, I'm just going to tell you, I would not, <laughs> I would not do that for free for the rest of my life. I have a lot of other things I would also like to do. I, but I'm not like, I don't, I'm an architect, but I have been criticized by other architects not being into it enough. And I feel like I am into it as much as I'm into it. And then other than that, I have a lot of other interests and I am into a lot of things. So that's just me. That doesn't mean I can't do my job. It just means I wouldn't do it for free. I think you have a healthier approach, honestly. Maybe. And, and I do appreciate Fatima going there in the conversation and, and talking about, hey, you know, there's a lot of hype around NFTs and 1.3 million for a board ape and, or more than that, or, you know, half a million dollars for a house and things like that. But the, you know, there's this, this other reality that, um, that's very different, you know, that that's more purpose-driven. I, I, I really, I'm, I'm really glad we went there in the conversation. Um, but again, you know, this this discounting the idea of the metaverse because, oh, everything is tied to crypto. Oh, everything is tied to money. Oh, you know, if if, it, if there were not a lot of money to be made, you wouldn't be there. I, I you know, I, I don't, I don't think that's a valid argument because I, I don't think you can actually satisfy that argument from the real world point of view ultimately, right? If we're going to take it to the extreme and, you know, that may not be the the uh, extent that the question is is meant to be but um but i think it falls apart on both sides of the of the matrix well i think maybe it's because what we have heard in the news about metaverse is mostly the incredible amounts of money people make for doing things like oh sure a yeah. house or whatever so it seems like it's all about the money maybe but uh, to me it's it's really exciting platform so i'm sure to a lot of people <laughs> it's an exciting platform they don't make any money yeah, yeah, and and to be clear, I mean, there's there's a there's some nefarious stuff going on, and there's you know there's a lot of hype and and you know all those things, but you know, like you just said, and like Fatima said, there's there's a lot going on that's actually very wonderful. So you you asked the question about uh, sustainability and blockchain sustainability. I'm glad you asked that question because it's it's something that comes up for a lot of sustainability minded professionals, i.e. architects. I, I really enjoyed her answer to that. And I enjoyed the, her comment that we've got to look at it holistically. A lot of them are, are already moving to more sustainable platforms. For example, the sandbox as a metaverse is already moving to Polygon which is a proof of stake um, blockchain and uh, it's going to be more sustainable. And it is a topic that I've realized that it's, it's been spoken a lot about in the space in general. And it is not something that is not a, of a concern to people. But I think when we talk about sustainability, we need to look at the whole big picture, right? How sustainable is it to travel miles across the planet to get to a different place, to meet a family member, or to go for a business call, or to go for a meeting. How sustainable it is. Is it to move every day with your car from your home to the office? Moving virtual as, as, as a whole society, we're taking out a lot of the parts of our aspects of our lives that are, that are not sustainable to begin with, like traveling. 
moving to to work and and you're you're staying at home you're working on the computer and you're already like decreasing your carbon footprint by huge numbers you know e even if we take it out of the metaverse and go okay if we look at the last almost exactly two years to the date as we're recording this that things shut down all around the world and people were working remotely all of a sudden if, if working at all you know and I, I think about the you know you think about the stories of of some cities where the air cleared up and the water cleared up yeah and the wild animals roamed the streets that and, was amazing yeah and, and i you know just in in our household you know my wife didn't drive to the office every day which meant that she saved you know, X amount of time every day on the commute side. She saved because she was able to to pause basically her, um, what she pays for parking. So she saved that money. Um, wear and tear in a car, less use of fossil fuels, all of those things. Um, you know, that situation on some level is much more sustainable than it was, you know, in, in February of 2020. So, so Fatima's point about, you know, looking at it holistically, you can go and visit someone without flying around the world, or you can bring your whole team together for a meeting without everybody commuting to that, that spot. And I think that's. Why isn't that a great thing? Instead of spending all this time driving somewhere to go sit in a conference room and just sit there where I can just sit here on my desk and just sit there and listen to the person talking. I don't know. It makes total sense to me. We just get used to different ways of being and interacting and being at a meeting. Like we don't have to be at the meeting to save so much time. Like if you, you used to fly all over the place. Now, if you could, if you could talk remotely, that would save you a lot of commuting time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a, that's a really good point. I mean, we get, we get used to it again, back to the, the experience and the engagement. I, um, earlier this week, someone was talking about what, uh, what architecture is, mm. what a building is, you know, that, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And, and they were basically just kind of distilling it down to shelter, I guess, really, you know, four walls and a roof, basically. As you were describing that during the conversation with Fatima, that's, that's that progression from normie to, oh my gosh, this is, this is amazing that you can, you can create this. Mm -hmm. I, I love, the, I love the idea. Yeah. But ease them into it. Yeah. Ease them into it. You don't just go deep, deep end right away. There's pretty great world that's opening up. Maybe, maybe it's because it distracts me from the actual world that's going on right now. Who knows? I think that's part of it. I think that's part of it. She says quite often that, she doesn't see the metaverse replacing anything. It's a parallel and it's a tool and it's these other, the, these, and it's an intersection. It's these, it's useful maybe for fantasy, maybe for experimentation, maybe for commerce, you know, all of those things. And, and I, I don't know nearly as much about it, not even close as Fatima does, but I, agree with her in my hope, you know, right? In my hope that this is, this is where it, 
what it becomes and, and, uh, this is what we're able to do with it. Because I think that that would be a great next step of what we know and what's possible, even, even just on the, the, our ability to engage with each other and with technology. Thank you to BQE, the makers of BQE Core, for their support of this podcast episode. Visit bqe.com slash masterclass to register for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass. Well, what did you think? Did you hear something in there that you can use in your practice today? If you were so inspired by this conversation that you'd like to watch the entire Context and Clarity Live episode, head on over to the Entree Architect YouTube channel. There's a playlist there that has all of the full Context and Clarity Live episodes. And if you want more of the Context and Clarity podcast delivered to you every week, give us a thumbs up and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. If you like content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment, and it's the home of Context and Clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know you'll find something there that interests you. You can learn more at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And one last thing before you go. If the topic of today's episode is of particular interest to you, join me over on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern inside the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. That's where every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern, I host Context and Clarity Conversations, and we take topics like this, and we dig deeper. We have a conversation in real time to try to find more clarity around the things that matter most to you. So thanks for listening. I hope our time together has inspired you to think about your community and your practice and how you can support those around you. We'll be back here again next week, and in the meantime, I hope you'll join me and the Entree Architect community on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern so that we can help each other find more clarity around the topics that matter most, no matter what your context is. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real 
to this day, I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us. Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.